We are currently in the last leg of our Master's Design series. For the last couple of weeks, we've looked into God's beautiful design and blueprint for the family on how it should function and operate. We also studied and dissected various relationships that transpired in the household of God and learned how to take up our specific roles for it. Today, we will focus on the singles, the singlehood or the singleness of every believer. You know, singleness is assumed to be pretty much awful. It is always painted in the bad light. When people ask to define singleness, it is often packaged in the negative, the absence of something. We define it as the state of not being married. It is the absence of a significant other, a special someone. By this way of describing it, we reinforce the idea that there is nothing intrinsically good about singleness. It is merely the situation and state of lacking what is inherently good in marriage. Notice this. Most of the books written about marriage say that marriage is a great thing. And all that remains for us to do is to understand it better and perhaps be aware of the potential pitfalls along the way. On the other hand, books about singleness typically have a different starting point. They drill in that singleness is boring, lifeless, and sad state of life. That's why the point of the books is to see if we might be able to come up with something so that we can escape the rat race as soon as possible. And to add, try to remember some conversations during our family gatherings. When people are having some sorts of introduction with one another, and one person is being asked, are you married or do you have a family? And if the person answered affirmatively, the person asking is delighted and throwing and keeps on throwing a lot of questions, whether about how you and your spouse met or how many children do you have. But when answered negatively, some people are just insecure and don't know how to respond with it. That's why the conversation grinds to an awkward pause and some receive a snide questions like, What? Are you still single? And it might be our temptation to answer back, Yes, we're still single and you're still married? Joking aside, others perhaps receive unsolicited encouragement like, Don't worry, the lucky one is just out there. My friends, what we commonly take to be true about singleness is either completely false or the very least should not be accurate. In much of our thinking, singleness is not downright bad, but it is certainly not seen as a good thing. Singleness isn't actually a bad thing. In the Bible, it is good. It is even described as a blessing. In and of itself is a beautiful gift from God that should be affirmed and celebrated. We, the whole church, the CBCP family, should be reminded of the goodness of singleness today, and that's what we will do this morning. 
May we rediscover the beauty and the blessing, the giftedness of being a single person following Jesus Christ. And may we be able to love, support greatly the singles in the CBCP family. Before we start, let us ask strength from the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your grace and your mercy as we study your God's word, your design for the singles in our family. Grant us your spirit to be changed and to love greatly the singles and to embrace the season of singleness gladly following you for the rest of our lives. This is our prayer in your name. Amen. Being single is something that we all go through. Others choose this kind of lifestyle, while some have responded to God's invitation to them for singleness. On the other hand, many of us are transitioning as well from being single to getting married. And for those who are married and advanced in age, there's the possibility that they'll return to being single or widowed. But what does it really mean to be single? Let's find out by answering and looking into three what statement and question. What singleness is not, what singleness is, and what to do with our singleness. First, what singleness is not. In our present era, being single is said to be the time and season of our life when you can do everything that you want. Buhay binata, as the generation before us would describe. So during this time, you can try all luxuries, vices, and pleasures without limit. And since you are not committed to a covenant relationship or not married, you can go to parties like there's no tomorrow. Above all, there is no one stopping you in doing indecent or immoral things like one-night stands and hookups, whether online or face-to-face. Apparently, these activities usually start with just a swipe to the left and right using dating apps. So we see the predominantly secular culture around us holds that to be single involves being unmarried, but not being sexually pure. The world around us considers marriage as a constraint in many ways, which is why being single is an advantage. For them, you have the freedom to find sexual fulfillment without any commitments that comes with marriage. You are free to play the, the field in whichever way you think that will make you happy. One famous journalist even describes singleness as solvency, great sex, and guilt-free life. This is the culture of the world we live in. It is the very opposite and contrary to what the Bible teaches us. From the point of view of Christianity, to be single means being both unmarried and committed to sexual abstinence for as long as we remain unmarried. The Bible clearly states that sex outside of marriage is sinful 
It is something underlined in the teachings of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Let's check out what the Lord taught us in Matthew 15, 19 to 20. He said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Jesus is saying that it, that it is all too possible to be defiled, to be spiritually unacceptable to God. Defilement is primarily something, it's not something about external to us, but it is internal, happening inside of us. It comes out of the heart. The list that we, we just read is not an exhaustive one, but it is a representative one for us and in the middle of it comes the phrase sexual immorality during that time this refers to any sexual behavior outside of marriage outside of a covenantal relationship it would have included premarital sex prostitution adultery and same-sex behaviors Jesus is saying that such sexual activities defile us and it is a sin. In other words, the vast majority of sexual behavior that we notice, that we observe in our present time, in our present culture today, Jesus regard it as morally wrong. This is not the design of our Father in heaven. As singles, we need to pursue our holiness all the more. For God wants us to be holy. This is the reminder for us in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. So to, so to be single, it is to refrain from any sexual behaviors. If you're single long-term as a Christian, that means being sexually abstinent for a long time. Now, I know many people will find this as repulsive. They will claim that without sex, you can really experience what it means to be truly human. And if we follow this line of thinking, we say that our sense of meaning, purpose, and personhood is directly attached and defined by our sexual activities and sexual life. My friends, this is entirely wrong. We must remember that Jesus is the most complete man ever lived. Jesus willingly became fully human for us. He willingly became a male. He was a sexual human being as well as we all are. But he lived a celibate lifestyle. He never married. He never even entered a romantic relationship. Thus, he never had sex. Jesus was not calling others, us singles, to a standard that he was not willing to embrace himself. He wasn't calling us singles to be sexual abstinent while not knowing of these things of himself. No, he lived his very own teaching before us. But there's more beyond that. Jesus is not just an example of non-hypocritical teacher. He is the humanity all of us are called to be, but none of us are. You see, 
his not being married is not incidental. It shows us that none of these things, marriage, sexual activities, romantic fulfillment, is intrinsic to being fully human, to being fully alive. But don't get me wrong. These things, marriage, romantic fulfillment, and sex, are legit in a proper boundary of a covenantal relationship. But what I'm trying to say now is that these things will not fill us at the end of the day. It is the not, it's, it's not the number of our relationships that will fill us, that will give us meaning and security because only Jesus can do that for us. Jesus alone is enough for us singles because the reality is God is the only one can satisfy our desires our longings and thirst in life. St. Augustine once said that in our heart, there is a hole that only Jesus can fill and cover. He said that my heart is restless until it find rests in you. That's why for us singles, we don't need relationship. Cheesy it may sound, but we need Jesus. The love acceptance, affirmation, joy and satisfaction that we are looking for our lives, you will not find these things in our girlfriend, in our boyfriend, or even our spouses. They will just frustrate us big time, believe me. Because these things, love, joy, acceptance, care, can only be offered by Jesus Christ him and him alone so look to him pursue him in your singleness you know brothers and sisters one of the first things that i said to my fiance joy when i was still courting her was i don't need you am i just sweet not going back i told her that i don't that i don't need her I don't need her to fill me with love, with acceptance, with joy. I don't need her to complete me, to complete my life. Because that is not her role. It is, it is Jesus' role for me and not the same for me to her. So my encouragement to the singles out there, those who seem to be unlucky in love, is to put the Lord first. You need to come to a point in your life that you can tell yourself and God that you are already complete in Him. That you find life, acceptance, meaning in God alone. That He is enough. You are satisfied with Him. But, take note, don't take this as a deal. A deal that as soon as you, you can say to yourself and to God that you are satisfied with Him alone, that He'll bring someone special in your life. No, not at all. As though God's blessings are ever earned by our contentment. Not at all, my friends. Our acceptance of singleness, whether temporary or permanent, is not based on our answers to the question, why are we still single? Instead, we will accept our state, our singleness, because of God's 
goodness to our life, God's goodness to you and to me, my brothers and sisters. You are not single because you are too spiritually unstable or immature to have a partner, nor it is because you are too spiritually mature to find a life partner. No, not at all. But we can say and accept that I, you and me are single because the Lord is good. He deemed it to be best for us, for this season, for our life. And only Him will satisfy our life and being. In that, we can say, I am complete in Jesus. My friends, singleness is a life of celibacy and contentment in Christ. May God help us. Second, what singleness is. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 26 to 28 and 32 to 34. Paul says, Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin at all. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. Verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please Him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Here, we can see Paul express how singleness can be a good thing. There are ways in which it can actually be easier than being married. He puts it in two ways. First, there are certain hardships we are spared if we are single, and there are sure ways in which we are freer because of it. Let us deal with what we are spared. Paul assumes that being married will include certain worldly troubles. This is by no means a criticism of marriage. Elsewhere, Paul writes about marriage in the loftiest terms about how the marriage reflects the church's spiritual marriage to Jesus. It is not that Paul is trash-talking marriage. It is just that he is realistic. Think about it. If you are single, you don't need to remember significant dates or anniversaries. No one will get angry at you. You won't wake up at the dawn to change a diaper. You won't have any headaches about raising a stubborn child. The list goes on and on with the benefits and advantages of being single. It is true that being married doubles the amount of joy in our life, but it also doubles the number of challenges. That's why being single is a blessing from God on its own. You can avoid many troubles, challenges, and hardships because you are single. 
there are griefs that as a single person, we will never directly experience. So it is not true what others say that it is easier to be married. But let us also watch out. Our temptation as singles is that we compare the downs of singleness to the ups of marriage. Remember, singleness and married life are the same. They have their own version of ups and downs. Singleness, it's not, about, it's not just about what we are spared, but it is also about what we are given. Paul also talks about the presence of specific opportunities. For a single person, for us, there is greater freedom. Did you hear that? There is a greater freedom. Our focus is less divided. Life is less complicated. We can give ourselves in a way that married people cannot. Paul is undoubtedly thinking of how he has seen this gift, this freedom in his life and ministry. He has been able to travel widely, spend extended periods of time in particular places, and even risking his life for the sake of the gospel. None of this will be possible if he had been married. Paul is not saying in his life, in his testimony, that married people have concerns and single people do not, not at all. But you know, my friends, our concerns as single people are necessarily different. A single life is not meant to be free of all responsibilities. We still have friendship and families that we need to honor. But basically, we can see that as a single person, we are being pulled in fewer directions than those who are married. And therefore, we are free to give more of our time, our resources to the affairs of our Lord Almighty. Our lives as a single people are generally less complicated than those who are married or are married friends. So, are you convinced already to be single for the rest of your life? Let's see the third point. What to do with our singleness. You know, this is the battle for many of us. It is easy to channel our flexibility and energies into merely pleasing ourselves rather than God. A significant temptation for many singles, especially if we live on our own, is to become self-centered. That we can quickly become anxious about the things of me. We operate in the world of I and me alone. It is easy to do what I want when I want it since I don't have a significant one to flex around. If I want to go out, I can. If I want to have space for myself and do my hobbies, I can. For us singles, it is much easier to eat when we want to sleep when we feel like it. However, we must be reminded daily that our singleness is not for us but our singleness is for the lord it is not for our concerns but for his verse 35 reminds us i am saying this for your benefit 
not to place restrictions on you because I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Singleness, as Paul, Apostle Paul described, is not primarily about dodging worldly troubles that come with married life, but what we are free to do with our time and resources. He commends singleness because he wants good order. The advantage of a more orderly, less complex way of living, enabling us to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. My dear friends, our mission is not to extend our own kingdom, but to champion the kingdom of Christ in our present age, in your work, in your family, in your different ministries. That's why we need to transition from a perspective of I and me to Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus is the end and the goal of our singleness and not us. And you know, if we come to think more about it, if Jesus takes the front seat of our life, the world of I and me will transition to us and we. It will be natural for us to think about others, to think about our fellow brothers and sisters who are in need. This means that our actions and lifestyle are focused on serving our neighbors with a motivation that comes from Christ. It will make us think of what we can do for Jesus, what can we contribute for the church to the brotherhood now that I'm single that I cannot do if I am married. We should maximize our season and it could look like striving to grow in the different areas and aspects of our lives that we develop ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally so that we can be more effective in serving our fellow believers, our fellow brothers and sisters. We become willing to share our expertise for the benefit and advantages of others. You see, my friends, if we transition from I and me to us and we, we build a community of Jesus followers, of kingdom people that emulates love, acceptance, and community that we singles are looking for for our lives. That's why it is just untrue that life of singleness is sad and lonesome. Listen to this. Loneliness is a one form of suffering that no Christian should ever experience, especially we singles. Because the idea of community, of family, of being together, of friendship should be very alive for us Jesus followers. So it is just impossible for the singles to be sad because we are welcome in the family, in the church, in the different groups. Although, we, the church, need to repent and to change our way of living and thinking because somehow we have taken in the values of the world when it comes to intimacy and friendship. What I mean by that is we have no category for intimacy that does not involve sexual relations. 
We don't cultivate and support same gender friendship, that rich soul lever companioning and connection. Often we panic and tag them as homosexuals. May God help us to cultivate deepening friendships with our fellow brothers and sisters in light of God's grace and love for each one of us in a level of life and life on life and soul to soul friendship. Nevertheless, to you, my single friends, let us maximize our season and remember life doesn't start when you're married. The life you wanted begins now, today. You don't need to graduate from singleness to experience the wonderful plans of the Lord, of our Heavenly Father, for your life. You know, the life you are living of purity, of passion, of freedom, for the Lord is a beautiful demonstration of Jesus' sufficiency. The body of Christ looks up to you single people, singles, as a reminder that Christ is truly enough. Listen to this. If marriage gives us the shape of the gospel, the life of singleness reveals the sufficiency of it. Let me say that again. If marriage gives us the shape of the gospel, the life of singleness shows its sufficiency. You single people, those who live in singlehood, you who find fullest meaning and satisfaction in Christ are a visible, physical testimony that the end of all our longings can be found in Jesus Christ alone. Not with pleasure, not with vices, not with money, not with our relationship, but in Christ alone. My friends, the issue is not whether this path or that path is better, whether singleness or marriage would bring me more good. The issue is God and whether you and me will plunge ourselves deeper into Him every day, moment by moment. David famously reminds us that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me for all the days of my life. Whether you are single for a season or for a lifetime, we will never be lacking. That is God's promise. God will not shortchange you in your singleness. The more we understand and embrace this truth, the less marriage or singleness would matter entirely for us. Purpose to know His love and abide in the oneness with Jesus, assured that whatever comes in our way, in our life of singleness, we will never outpace God's kindness and love to each one of us. May God help us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, you have reminded us that marriage gives us the shape of the gospel and the life of singleness shows its sufficiency. You are enough, Jesus Christ. Grant us the strength in your spirit, us singles, to be energized, to follow you more and more, to maximize our season 
to see the season of singleness. Grant us more grace so that we can serve our family, our church, through transition from I and me to us and we. We thank you for your word for today. My brothers and sisters, receive God's blessing for you this morning. The Lord God who calls us to marriage or singleness blesses each one of you today. He bless you and keep you for the rest of the week. He makes his face shine upon you and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift his countenance to each one of us and gives us peace this day and forevermore. May God bless each one of you in all of your engagement this week. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us in our online worship. May you have a blessed Sunday.